Hey everyone, thanks you for being here once again at Midnight Wars. Uh, my name is Ron Sharon, um, and today my guest, my guest is Gary Ruddle. How are you, Gary? I'm good, Ron. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no problems at all. So today we're going to talk a little bit about um, cyber intelligence and cyber threat intelligence. So I, I hope you guys are uh, are geared up. It's going to be a wild ride. Um, Gary, first of all, thank you for being here. Second of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you currently do. Well, I'm a cyber threat intelligence specialist for a large global financial uh, that'll name, we won't, we won't disclose the name here publicly, but uh, that's what I've been doing for a fair few years now. And I did it in Singapore most recently, but I work for the same company today from home here, just outside Edinburgh. And uh, prior to that, I spent almost a decade in the military and that was split between the Royal Navy as a communication specialist, mostly with analog equipment, not digital sort of cybery type equipment. And then I moved across into army intelligence. Oh, that sounds like, that sounds like very exciting actually. So how long <laughs> did, were you in the military? Uh, just over eight years. So eight years. Four, four in one and four in the other with a little gap in the middle as I transitioned between the two. Wow. That must've been quite a journey. Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Um, I didn't really know when I went to school in Northern Ireland, uh, I didn't do very well in my A-levels, which is the exams you sit when you're sort of 18 that sort of set you up for your degree. And I didn't really know what degree I even wanted to do. Bear in mind, this was, you know, 2003 cybersecurity degrees didn't exist as far as I knew, uh, especially back in, in Northern Ireland in those days. They do now, thankfully. Um, so I joined the military. I was in the cadets for a long time as a kid. So it just seemed like a natural thing, you know, camouflage and guns and stuff like that. <laughs> so. uh, I, I actually was also in the, in the military for three years. I was, uh, in the IDF, uh, nothing that has to do with cyber. I was, um, I was in the military police. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so what exactly is a uh, cyber threat intelligence? I guess there's really two schools on this. Um, there's the there's the incident response side of CTI, and then there's the the world that I come from, the military intelligence side of CTI. But we'll just we'll kind of bundle them all together here in one go. But uh, it's essentially trying to look at the threat that an organization faces and mitigate that threat using information, um, and you collect that information from a wide range. Of sources, some technical, some non-technical. Um, that is, in in essence, what CTI is. So, how do you how does someone get into cyber threat intelligence? Not through the military side. Yeah, not through. So that that's an interesting question. If you're coming from the military, you've definitely got an advantage because it's this sort of secret little mysterious club that everybody gets excited about. You know. Um, and often when I talk to people, they say, oh, it's like James Bond. Well, it's really not like, like James Bond at all. But I mean, it, it plays into those roles of intelligence, cyber threat intelligence. Uh, but if I was trying to advise someone on how to break into it today, I would say it's never been easier than it is right now to break into CTI because you can consume pretty much most of the same information that I consume as part of my job. You can go on virus total, and you can sign up to all these different platforms where you can look at I indicators of compromise, IOCs. You can read all the blogs from all the big vendors, and you can end up with your 
view of the threat. You could write articles on LinkedIn every week. You could start a blog, start a YouTube channel, do stuff like this. All of that would build up a body of work over a period of time. And then if you get a few basic cyber certifications under your belt, something like Security Plus, uh, and maybe a few other ones that just help make you a bit beefier against the competition, there's no reason why you couldn't come to someone like me and sit in an interview and have a really, really good conversation. That's that's probably what I would do if I didn't have my military experience behind me. That's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's good advice. Um, so what is some of the advice you can give to uh, newcomers to cybersecurity in general and into specifically also into threat intelligence? What's how to begin, what to do, how to get recognized, how to get on top of, of you know, uh, uh, recruiters or hiring managers. What's your best advice? I mean, LinkedIn is obviously a good one. Everybody in this audience right now has probably come from that LinkedIn world. And I would imagine a large number of these people would be interested in CTI specifically. So if you're watching this stream, you're looking at the right stuff. Um, I would probably try and avoid a lot of the noise. There's a lot of noise in cybersecurity and there's a lot of voices and it's, it is hard to try and find the right voices early on. And I certainly struggled back in the day. I'd never heard of CompTIA whenever I started researching what, how am I going to get into cybersecurity, but slowly over time, just doing research, finding blogs, you know, my blog, I've got an article about how to break into cyber. If anybody's read that what's on there is pretty much the path that I took. And it worked for me, so it will maybe. So if somebody's work for looking else. at the blog, uh, this is uh, Gary's website. Yeah, um, thanks. Your, your blog is on this website, right? Yeah, that's right. You'll find Perfect. it on there in the article section. Um, and yeah, you know, trying to trying to figure out what is noise and what is signal—that's the real art here. Uh, you don't need to go and do all these fancy certifications, sometimes you can just do some simple ones to build up that baseline knowledge and then advance to the next level, start speaking with people. Maybe you become interested in incident response or memory forensics or, you know, really specific things and you want to go down that path. And you, as you start talking to more people online, you'll slowly pick up the Twitter handles, the YouTube channels, the people on LinkedIn to follow, and you'll find your, your niche, but it all, it all needs to start by, figuring out who to speak with initially. And I guess that's folks like ourselves who've been down these paths before. And by the way, if you anybody wants to ask Gary a question, uh, please do so in the comment sections or on LinkedIn comments. Um, and Gary will be more than happy to answer those questions. Um, yeah, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, John, I just see Jonathan Todd's question there about threat yep. actors. Um, it's a really good question and it's something that Everywhere so that I've let, worked. Let me just uh, read it out yeah. loud. Um, often yeah. threat intel seems to focus on uh, threat actors. I'm curious if certain industries are plagued by the uh, same, uh, say, 12 threat actors for some significant portion of their attacks. Otherwise, it seems less useful to focus on particular threat actors and more generally on TTPs, uh, irrespective of the attribution. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question, Jonathan. Thanks for that. Um, and you're right. I think it's more important to focus on the TTPs, the 
tactics, techniques, and procedures. For those of you who don't know, the, the methods that bad guys use to get in, like phishing, credential stuffing, all those things. Uh, because if you focus on the actor, let's say you put up your defenses based on actors. Well, when a new actor comes along, if they use some new techniques, they're straight in the door. So it's better to defend against the TTPs because if you protect yourself against phishing, it doesn't matter who's doing it, you're protected against it. So if you're a smaller organization or even to be honest, a big organization, I would go down the TTP route. Now, if you're law enforcement, obviously you can go and persecute threat actors. You can get them, put them in prison, etc. You wanna be actor focused. And how to start reverse engineering? I don't know if that applies to you or not, but if you can answer it, great. If not, yeah, I'm not a reverse engineer at all. Um, I uh, look at malware at a very high level, mostly focused on IOCs. Uh, so I'm afraid I couldn't answer that question without any <laughs> specifically for you, Yassine. But um, if you drop me a message afterwards, I do have a few resources that I've bookmarked in the past that might help if you're interested in reverse engineering. Perfect. Um, if you guys have any more questions, don't forget to leave them on the in the comment. Um, Gary, what's the biggest challenge um, that you think personally is breaking into the into the cybersecurity world and threat intelligence? I think the whole entry level thing is proven to be a real challenge for people generally. Um, threat intel isn't something that I see lots of people asking for when I speak to them. A lot of people want to be SOC analysts. I thought most people might come to me and ask about being pen testers, but most seem to be more interested in the blue stuff, which is really interesting. Um, um, I've actually seen the difference, a little bit of different approach here, Gary. I've seen an increase of people asking about uh, threat intelligence. That's why I actually have have you have you here <laughs> with me. I've seen a lot, a lot more people getting interested in it. And yes, there's a big there's a big uh, uh, people that are saying SOC and and. Uh, red teaming and blue teaming because this is the thing they know but um threat intelligence it's becoming it's becoming a thing so people are asking more and more about it good to know i might have to up my game now to stay ahead of the competition <laughs> um yeah so i i reckon that the entry level thing is the one that uh, i get asked about most in fact just before this call i was messaging someone privately on linkedin who couldn't get their head around uh you know how do i how do i break into this at, with no experience um, and my advice is the same advice that I always recommend, build, build in public, prove your knowledge publicly. Um, take our profiles, for example, Ron, but I guess mine specifically, I've got an, a weekly newsletter, daily LinkedIn content, uh, a weekly YouTube video. All of it, I think, is not bad for a one-man band making it in his home office. Uh, I don't know personally of any of my peers that do this stuff. Maybe a couple of them do, but maybe I don't know about it. It's a way of getting your face out into the world and putting distance between you and the competition, I guess. Um, so if you if you can do that, you know, if anybody's watching this that wants to break into entry level cyber in anything, regardless of what it is, if you want to do sock work, we'll build your own sock at home. There's open source sock tools you can get off of GitHub fire them up on an old laptop and run your own sock and every week do a blog post about what you learned you know that's great that, those yeah, those great types advice. of things yep um i have to ask which certification would you recommend for those wanting to get into cyber and i'm guessing this is like general cyber you can also talk about if there are any for 
specific threat intelligence? Yeah, I think um, the CompTIA stuff is good. Uh, I think it is fit for purpose for entry level, for sure. Um, are you going to save the world if you've got your security plus? Probably not, but it's get you're getting into cyber, so all you need is the basics. Um, there's three real, well, there's kind of four now. You've got Network Plus, A Plus, Security Plus, and then there's also like a CISA one, which is like a cyber analyst course, but we'll just focus on the first three. The Network Plus and the A Plus, I wouldn't bother sitting the exams for those. I would read the books. I already knew about computers and hardware and some networking stuff from my time in the military. I did a Windows Server Administrator course back in the day. It was awful, but and I barely used it on ship. Um, but that sort of helped with my understanding. So I just blasted those two books pretty much, just skimmed the contents and sort of thought, this is easy. I, I know this. And then focused on the Security Plus one because that's the space you're going into. So know the content of Network Plus and A Plus, get some PDFs off the internet or something, and then do the Security Plus exam and nail that. That would be the, the baseline that I would form. And for me, I mean, I always knew I was interested in the hacking side of it. So I wanted my OSCP, but I was pretty terrified of that. So I did something easier first. I did the EJPT from eLearn Security, and it was awesome. I really... I loved that little exam. I was in here in this office and you hack into this sort of rock band's website for the exam and it's a quiz. Uh, there's like 20 questions and you can only answer the questions if you do the hacking. And I think one of them is, you know, what's the date of birth of the person who owns the record label? So you got to do, you know, dump you the SQL yeah, dump the SQL database. So I did all that first. And then about a year and a half later, I did OSCP. Um, and pass that first time. So I would, you know, form a baseline with the security plus stuff, figure out maybe at, the, at that stage, figure out two, maybe three roles max that you want to be in and try and figure out the smartest, simplest certs to get you there. Um, as you know, don't go and spend seven grand on a SANS course day one. That's yeah, let your company, let your company do that. <laughs> yeah. The, the certifications are expensive. Um, keeping them is expensive. Doing the courses is expensive. So if you can ever get your company to pay for it, that's highly recommended. Yeah, for um, sure. Are there any search related to threat intelligence? And we have an answer here from John Young that says that they do have a threat intelligence uh, certification. Um, do you know this? Or do you know that certification? Have you heard of it? I so it? my co my colleagues have done it. Um, I haven't done it because. I've been doing CTI for a while now, so it's kind of we we wanted to yeah, prioritize. So. Yeah, we wanted to prioritize budget for people who hadn't been doing CTI for a long time. Whether I'll do it or not, I'm not really sure. To be honest, um, there comes a point in your professional life where it doesn't really yeah, make so a difference. Certification is okay. It's great if you're dealing with HR and you don't have the experience. It's to show yeah. that you have that kind of uh, uh, body of knowledge. Uh, it's more important, in my personal opinion, to have the body of knowledge than the certification. Because you can have the body of knowledge, you can have the certificate, you, you can be, just be a good te uh, test taker. Yeah. You can answer those questions and you can memorize it and you can take the test. Um, knowing what the material is, it's much more important. So again, if somebody pays for your course or something, I would highly recommend uh, doing it. Uh, but always know the material. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're a CISO, right? So 
And you've been doing it for years. I've been doing CTI for years. People are going to hire us in the future. We're probably There's, not going to. Yeah, we personally, you, you and I have the experience to back us up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, what makes a CTI candidate stand out, especially if the candidate doesn't already have an infosec background? What makes a CTI candidate stand out, especially if they don't have an infosec background? I would, I would probably still come back to that. Thanks for the question, Chad, by the way. I'd probably still come back to that earlier point about building in public because CTI, the, the two sides of CTI, one is the sometimes it's just like the incident response person just does some CTI stuff on the side. They check some hashes or IOCs and then that is the extent of the CTI that's done in the moment. In my world, I consume tons of information, news, stuff that you guys would even see on you know LinkedIn and stuff, things like that. And I write reports about the threat to the business. Um, it's a much more risk focused work, sense of work rather than IOC flipping, if you catch my drift. And in that world, that's what opens it up to everyone. Uh, you know, if you if you can build some public proof that you know what you're talking about, um, even if you're not from an infosec background, it doesn't really matter. Take someone like Caitlin Simpanu, uh, Campus Cody on Twitter. Uh, I think he's is he at Recorded Future or Risky Biz or something. Yeah. But he's you know he's got hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers. He could probably pivot into a CTI job pretty pretty well. And I don't think he's from a maybe a technical background. I could be wrong on that, but um, I've never seen him say that he's a ex CTI person. But he could definitely jump into that world. Uh, because he has the the public proof behind him. So if you don't have the experience, spend the time in the evenings and the weekends consuming the news regularly and thinking about what that means and maybe have a go at a blog or a LinkedIn article. You, you can even send me something to look at. I'll, I'll gladly give you some feedback. Uh, would you like... Uh... Would you say the military route in cybersecurity and threat intelligence has less hurdles than normal means like having a cybersecurity degree or moving over from um, IT infrastructure? Uh, I think so. So, and I, I would say military and law enforcement. So a lot of the people, because I work at a large financial organization uh, and intelligence gets shared between every organization, you know, Apple and Microsoft share intelligence, you know, all the banks share intelligence through various platforms. Uh, a lot of the people that I see working in these industries are ex-law enforcement, ex-military. There's a natural understanding of the intelligence cycle. That's a term you guys could go and Google, the intelligence cycle and how intelligence works as a process. Um, if you're coming from IT infrastructure, you probably shouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine they would have any idea about, they might not even have heard of CTI, you know? I still meet people to this day that haven't heard of CTI. Everybody's heard of finance and human resources, but CTI is pretty far down the, the rabbit hole. Um, and a cybersecurity cyber degree, uh, I don't have a degree. And, you know, I, th I think if you're, if you're building the whole public proof thing, you don't really need it. Um, and I, I can't say I know of many degree programs that really teach the CTI stuff to the level that I would be expected to deliver it. Um, happy, happy again to be pointed to some degree program that does do that because that would be awesome. 
I haven't heard of any degree programs that integrate CTI into it as well. Um, maybe maybe as a very uh, on a very small very level. small, but the ones I know of, I, yeah. Uh, what type of GitHub projects to start in cybersecurity? Oh, good question. Um, so, if you're going to make your own, I I made a little GitHub project a while ago because I say a while. Two years ago, probably, um, I was constantly nuking virtual machines, like messing up VMs uh, and rebuilding them all the time. And I, I was a bit sketchy with taking snapshots. Should have been doing better drills on that. But the uh, the little script that I wrote was a fun little script. I think you can still see it online. It's called InstaCali, Instant Cali, InstaCali. Uh, and what it does is you run that script and it pulls down all of my favorite tools from. APT package manager, GitHub, and loads of other package managers. And I would probably start on a very basic level with simple little script-based projects like that that just help you do the things that you're practicing easier. So if you're if you're into pen testing, maybe build your own network scanner. That's one of the first things you do on the OSCP. They make you build a network scanner. It's very simple, bash script. Um, and then I would build up from there to the point where maybe you're looking at open source software, like the open source SOC tools or the open source CTI tools that you can get from GitHub. And maybe if you get good enough, send in requests back to them, push requests to merge your changes if you're if you're a gifted enough coder. Um, and I would, you know, the, between that first example of writing scripts and the last example of, you know, contributing to the community, there's an array of things in the middle. Um, if you just spend some time on GitHub, uh, looking at some of the open source stuff. It's really cool. So Amanda just posted there's a postgraduate program in cybercrime analysis, which includes threat, into, uh, threat and risk intelligence, which is great. Awesome. Hi, Amanda. We spoke the other day. Nice to see you. Um, yeah, I'd love to, if you could send me a link to that JIBC thing, Amanda, that'd be that'd be awesome. Thank you. Yeah, if you could post a link in the comments, I can actually post it here as well. So everybody can Brilliant. see it. Brilliant. Um, so Tell us about your mission to educate 10,000 people in cybersecurity. Yeah, I guess um, it's kind of similar to your own goal, right? Like there's the there's the mixed figures around how many people, how many vacancies there are in cyber. Anywhere from six to three million is what I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, de it's definitely more than six. Um, it might be three million and that's pretty terrifying. Uh, but I just really... You know, I've got a daughter now. She's almost two. Uh, I don't know what she'll get into, but I, th I think maybe I've got to a certain age now where I want to sort of pass on what I know. I get asked a lot of questions by people, so I I wanted to be able to answer everyone's questions as easily and s slickly as possible for everyone involved, including my own time. I was spending so many evenings in here in the office, like having one-on-one -on -one calls with people who were le leaving the military trying to get into cyber which is what I've done, obviously. Uh, and rightfully so, they were reaching out to pick my brains and I struggled to say no. So I made the website. I started putting out daily LinkedIn content, started the YouTube channel. So you get all this free stuff to try and just be able to quickly point people to things that answer their questions and way more. Um, yeah, with the, with the goal of making it easier for people to get into cyber and also getting trying to attract more people into cyber uh here is 
it's a quite long. So I'm going to leave it here for a while uh, so people will be able to copy it if they want. Um, I have a question here. I'm just going to read it out loud. Speaking about scripting, what language would you recommend getting, getting strong at, if any? Um, I'm not really strong in any of the languages. I can do bad things in a fair few of the languages, but uh, I would just recommend that you get comfortable with in the command line. If you can use the Win, I'm not even that good at the Windows command line, to be honest. I should, I'm far better at Linux, like most hacker types are. We spend all our time in Kali, fruiting around in Linux. Uh, and I jump onto Windows and I'm like, is it IP config or IP config? <laughs> oh, uh, you know. So I would get com comfortable in both the command lines for a start. And after that, I would probably take Zed Shaw's Python course. That's Z-E-D. S-H-A-W. Um, he's got a, a series of classes. They're all the same. It's called Learn Python the Hard Way, Learn Ruby the Hard Way, Learn C the Hard Way. And it, if you've done one course, you've basically done them all. He just It's the same lessons, just with different languages. Uh, you can do the Learn Ruby one, I think, online for free. And the Python one, I think you have to pay for, but it's fantastic. Um, I would probably learn Python. And I would do enough where where you can finish that course quite comfortably and maybe tinker around and make your own tools. But it's more important to really understand the, the general concepts of how these languages work um, because the languages are always going to change. You know, you've got Rust and Go these days. You know, we see loads of malware in Go. Um, and you're always going to have some new flavor of the month. So I wouldn't wed yourself too much to a particular language, but... Python is probably one of the best ones to learn just off the bat because it's so popular. Um, loads of YouTube videos and things you can take on it. And then once you've learned it, you know, you, if you're not using it all the time, you're probably going to forget it, but the fundamentals will stay in your head. Uh, and I take pretty good notes. Uh, I've got a, a video on YouTube about how I take notes in Gitbook. So I, if, you know, if, if you were to throw me onto a, a machine to hack now, you know, I'd be rusty because I haven't done it in a couple of months, but I would open up those notes and I'd be up to speed pretty quick. So learn how to take notes well that, that works for you uh, once you're doing these sort of scripting courses. Yeah, I agree. The, the taking notes part in scripting, that's the hard, mm. it, was, it was the hardest part for me as well. Uh, we have another question here. I'm looking into... Uh, the CTI field, I'm working towards my SEC plus certification currently. What else would you recommend? Um, hi, Samson. We spoke earlier. Nice to see you. Uh, the, um, I would recommend you go and check out Crest, C-R-E-S-T. Um, it's, a, it's a body in the UK, I believe, uh, that um, basically if you want to be a pen tester in, in the financial services industry, a lot of the companies that uh, do that work are looking for Crest certified personnel. Um, they seem to be sort of the industry preferred agent in this space. Uh, but if you look at their CTI um, syllabus, they have an exam that you can sit, but they don't provide the training, but they do provide the syllabus. I would go through that sat, the, the Crest CTI syllabus and read everything that's in there. There's loads of books, loads of videos they mention, loads of reports and PDFs and things. That's probably, if you're looking to get into CTI and you want to get a cert, that'll be one of the cheapest ways to do it. The SANS one that someone mentioned earlier is seven grand at the end of the day. That's crazy. Um, 
yeah, wait until you're employed and then get a company to pay that for you, which is ironic because you've already got the job at that stage. Yep, exactly. Um, it's a it's an interesting conundrum, and the, these certifications they just keep on going up in price. Yeah, and um, just to, on that, like my Security Plus, I never renewed it because what's the point? It's the it's your GCSE. It's well, that's your high school English. You know, yeah. It's your, yeah. So once you've done it once, you, you're not going to yeah. really forget enough of that stuff if you're working yeah. in the industry. And, and you're going to progress. You're going to you're going to learn things that are above the Security Plus. So no yeah. point of going back to Security Plus when you're you're already up there doing the work for like five, ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had A plus Network Access Security Plus, and I let let them all uh, lapse because yeah. there's no point. Um, of keep on doing them and, uh, and so yeah and I, I, that's where i'm in a bit of a weird position at the minute because i've done security plus which is lapsed i did ejpt which doesn't really matter anymore because i've done oscp and that's it that's all i've done i've gotten i could go for CISP or whatever i guess i've done enough years now but i mean then you're gonna have to pay renewal fees although you get a company to do it probably but i'd rather just do the work and learn stuff and prove it in public, albeit I don't really do that on my LinkedIn because it would, yeah, I would I'd need to have two LinkedIn's then, two LinkedIn, one, yeah. one for you guys and one for my actual job, you know? Job. So that's where, yeah, that's yeah. Where it gets a bit Jekyll and Hyde. So we have about 30, 40 seconds left. What, and my, my question is to you is what keeps you up at night? Except your daughter. Uh, no, she's great. My second kid that's coming in February will do that. But um, I would say what keeps me up at night is uh, at the minute um, vendors. And we, we're not really, we just, we're moving from patch to patch. Yeah. New features are coming in all the time into software, which introduces new bugs. And people always want the latest, greatest WYSI technology, which is understandable. No one wants to just sit on iOS 16 forever. But if we move forward to iOS 17, we're going to have new zero days. And I just, I just, I would, I would love the day where something is secure. Like just one thing is just, yeah, just, that thing over there is secure. You can't hack I can, it. I can, yeah. I can let it go for like a week and not worry yeah, about it. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I obviously I work for a large bank. So, you know, customers, money walking out the door. Thankfully, I don't work for a crypto company because those guys are losing. Oh, they have money walking out the door every day. Yeah. But then I guess they just type it in on the keyboard and that's yes. the money back again. But uh, yeah, that that's what keeps me up at night. Awesome. Well, thank you, Gary. I really appreciate your time with us. And thank you, everyone, for joining us again for this broadcast of Midnight Wars. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate you more than you know. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Ron. Thanks for having me. Nice to see everybody.